Cinema Death Cult. I'm your host, Adam Bolger. And tonight I'll be discussing Mad Max Fury Road. And to that end, I'm joined by career journalist and editor, occasional entrepreneur, early cryptocurrency investor, and lifelong Mad Max apologist, Jeff Coyan. How you doing, Jeff? Good, Adam. Thanks very much for having me. Appreciate it. Oh, I'm, I'm excited. And uh, welcome to the show. Thank um, you. Now, you and I have talked about the Mad Max film series a couple of times. I should say Jeff's my former boss for a couple <laughs> of ventures. He's been my editor for I think at least three publications off the top of my head. Um, and he and I have talked here and there about the Mad Max film series. And uh, so let's just get started. Like why, why do these films hold a special place in your heart? What's your, you're, you're an apologist to so apologize for them. I will. I will. I will try to apologize and justify. Listen, it goes back to teenage years. Um, I was the perfect age to discover the first Mad Max as a teenager in the 80s, you know, renting it on VHS, hooking up two VCRs, making a copy and watching it to death. And then not even knowing for several years that I was watching the dubbed version, you know, that was famously around. Yeah, the, the the native Australian version was not available for years in the States. Yeah. So, I mean, I have the original dialogue that I can listen to in my head when I watch that movie is still the terribly dubbed version, yeah. but it didn't matter. It didn't matter. I was 14 years old when I discovered it or, or whatever it was. And so you're talking about, you know, action, slight futurism, you know, not, not gonzo futurism, just sort of that near futurism uh, this was the 80s. This was the era of, you know, Reaganism and we're all going to get nuked and watching the skyline. Yeah. I, I grew up 40 miles outside of New York. So, you know, wondering if we'd see the mushroom clouds. So yeah. that was a perfect near futurism for us. And it had some awesome cars, you know. Yes. And, and, and Mel Gibson wasn't an asshole yet. He was still, you know, <laughs> charismatic and cool. And yeah. so, I, you know, I just loved it. And then I think by the time I'd seen the first one, Road Warrior was already out, too. So you can go get the second one from the video store. Yeah. And just, you know, and, and binge as it were in that day. Yeah. And, you know, just special place in my heart. And I, I apologize because they're certainly hyper-masculine, you know, Nitro movies. The first one's a straight-up revenge flick. The second one yeah. is a little batshit. But I, I will also defend its politics. And I will say that, you know, aside from some gratuitous bullshit in the second one, I, I think they hold up fairly well politically. Um, I'm yeah, sure we're going to get into yeah. that a little bit. I feel like the second one's kind of like a, it could almost be a cowboy movie in a way. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. The the hero comes to town, defends the fort. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like the man with no name comes into town and there's like the, the, uh, you know, just, just to put it into 2021 terms, the uh, native Americans are attacking the village or whatever, you know, Um, you're not a big fan of uh, um, Thunderdome, right? I mean, who is? You know, I, I, again, I, I, th- I think you had to have been, you know, I, I don't know, maybe it's because I was already a, a big fan when it, I mean, it came out in 85. So I can't yeah. say like I saw it in my 20s. I saw it in the theaters when I was supposed to see it. But maybe if it was the first one I've seen or if I'd seen it on HBO when I was 12, it would have a, yeah. a more special place in my heart. But it's so terrible and cheesy and <laughs> poofy hair and, 
And and you know, it, it's just it's just a terrible movie. Terrible movie. Yeah, I, it was the first one I saw. That and I think it's that one I really like. Of course, and yeah. that, that's exactly what I'm saying. You're a little bit younger than me. It's probably the first one you have a fondness for it, and then yeah. you probably sought out the older ones. Yeah, exactly. And in fact, um, I didn't really even see. I think I I tried to watch the dubbed version of the first one when I was like in high school and I just couldn't get past the dubbing it just seemed so cheesy and I just couldn't do it and it wasn't until like three years ago like until fucking COVID that I watched the first one all the way through because I had always assumed it was bad no god no no it's a great movie it's a a picture perfect it's a 70s revenge thriller with the weird trappings of you know slightly post-apocalypse yeah yeah and I you're right. And it's interesting because the it kind of gets backfilled with the apocalypse mm-hmm. by the subsequent movies, you know, like in the first one. Yeah, it could be like uh, Death Wish, you know? Yep. Yeah, just like it's a little bit more expressive and heightened. And um, the other thing is uh, the on on those the first two movies, the stunt work is stunning. Like just, it looks, it has a reality to it. That's almost, I don't think any other action movie has had that. Like the first one, there's a car sequence where there's a longstanding rumor that somebody died in it. Oh yeah. I'm not sure about that. I just watched the documentary recently. I'm not sure about that. I think it was a rumor, not a truthful rumor. Oh, like leave that for years. uh, Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It makes sense. It's a very, you know, practical stunt movie. The second one. And, you know, Fury Road is famously all practical yes. stunts except for some, you know, juicing in post. Yeah. Um, I don't know much about the third one in terms of how they produced it. But I said George Miller was at the helm of all of them. And he yeah. is very, very big about, you know, it being practical effects. Sure. I mean, aside from saying, again, that I, that I do like uh, Thunderdome, we're not going to spend too much time on it. That's fine. We're going to just dismiss it. Um, but, yeah, so then Fury Road comes out uh, in the 2000s. And you were, were you primed for that movie to come out or did it feel like, okay. It didn't feel like it, it was just like a nostalgia kind of thing to you. No, I I think if it had come out 10 years earlier with Mel Gibson, it would have felt that. I feel that Miller having taken 20 years between Thunderdome and this, not always for his own reasons. Um, Famously, he was in pre-production in 2000, 2001, and then, you know, again, 2010 is really when it kicked off. I think that amount of time forced him to reinvent, but yeah. I was absolutely ready for it to come out. I I'm positive I took the day off work and I went to see it and I was just thrilled. I, I, I stand by it being the best movie of the year. Yeah. I think it's a fantastic movie. It's got its problems. We could discuss that. But yeah. in terms of sheer cinema, there's nothing like that movie on the big screen. Yeah, I remember uh, speaking to you the year it came out and you called it a perfect movie. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd stand by that. No, yeah, it's got its problems. That doesn't make it not perfect. <laughs> All right, but before we get to the problems, tell me about the perfect. I mean, the perfect is just from the start. Well, if, if you want to come at it from somebody with a Mad Max history, yeah. it's perfect in its treatment. It's a retelling. It's faithful in its own way to the first, maybe arguably the second one, in that it's giving Max Rakitansky uh, essentially the same backstory. Yeah. In terms of beats, we yeah. don't know if the little girl in the flashbacks is his daughter who gets killed in the first one. One can assume doesn't have yeah. to be. Right. Um, the flashbacks um, are, are 
the, the collective flashbacks, people are called the accursed dead. So yeah. there's either a backstory of people he failed to protect, who knows? Again, not the point. The, the, the philosophical backstory is the same, so it's doing him justice. Yeah. He's clearly a former law enforcement. That's his car, you know, and, yeah. and the car plays a, a big role for people, you know, who, who are, you know, of, of my generation and loving that movie. And yeah. I just think the action is just the action. Again, it, it's, it's real. There's very little CGI. If there's CGI, I really think it's just a juice things up and erase tire prints. And it's, it's a, it's a four actor with, you know, sort of octets of 15 minutes beats. And it's yeah. just, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. I, mean, but I, I also think what's, what's important to note is that it's really a handoff, which is, goes to show because the next movie is going to be about Furiosa. So yeah. it's not, I, I think he's addressing a lot of the problems we might've had in the earlier movies in terms of its masculinity. Yeah. It's, you know, male savior, whether it's white savior, male savior, but the savior aspect, which is very Joseph Campbell. He's, yeah. you know, Miller's a traditional guy. He's 60 something years old. He's coming from that hero's journey shit. Yeah, um, yeah. But I do think this movie changes a lot of that. And, and Max's job is to make Charlene Theron's character succeed. And I right. think that's new to the franchise. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think he is a traditionalist in, 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 in the way that he, he's an essentialist, like as a storyteller. Like from my understanding, like he's sketched this out, this story out in the terms of like, you know, kings and princesses and castles and things <laughs> like that. And it was like a very, very minimal, minimal sketch. And I think that comes out like it's sort of like it. Uh, it's I wouldn't say it's a skeletal story, but it's a very simple story. I mean, it's like really rich, like world building. But the story itself is very is uh, very minimal. But yeah, you're right. It, it does open up this possibility of being like of a feminist reading of it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I, I know it's got its issues. I, I would question the, the, the reason to put the five wives in, you know, scanty clothing. And I, I get, I, I get the argument for it, but I don't think it's necessary to do that. I think it's more yeah. titillating than it had to be. We get it. They are sex slaves. Um, and a movie that came to mind, and I'm going to, you're, you're a film nerd. So gonna <laughs> dig a little deeper. There was a movie called, called Kin that came out a few years ago. Also, with Zoe Kravitz in it. Okay. It was based on a movie. It was based on a short film of some kid who finds like an alien gun. Okay. Uh, the, the short was called Bagman. I only know that because I looked it up. They yeah. made an expanded movie of it and they had all the opportunity in the world to build the characters, anything they want. Zoe Kravitz was in it. She's yeah. the, the female lead that he saves. And what does he write her as? He writes her as a stripper. Yeah. And it's the stupidest shit in the world. <laughs> and that movie's made in like 2018. Yeah. And it's, it's like there's no reason so i would i'd map that onto this there's i i get why he's doing it but there's no reason to put these women scantily clad especially once they've escaped the sex dungeon yeah it's just no reason so if, if i could put anything there i would just get rid of that because it invites yeah. diverting criticism because ultimately i would say it is more of a female empowerment movie yeah with max there to help the, the female hero get her shit done um but again there's a certain male gaze and there's a certain 68 year old, whatever, however old George Miller is there's, yeah. there's a certain flaw there. I would say just, just not necessary, but right. for me, it doesn't ruin the film. Yeah. I would, I think there's a nuance to them. There are sex slaves for sure, but also like uh baby gestators, you know, yeah. like it's even, it's not like he, that's the important thing of them. Like they're dehumanized beyond even just being sex slaves. 
you know, like yeah. they're just down to their component functions as human beings, you know? Yeah. And if you look in the beginning, the, the women making the mother's milk are absolutely mechanized. Yes. And that's, that's the creepiest scene. But, yes. you know, if one imagines, if one wants to, if one wants to world build, there's yeah. no reason the sex slaves wouldn't be in similar conditions. Yeah. You know, what do you mean? Unless you, like if they're just going to be baby machines, yeah. why not just make them baby machines? Yeah. You know, uh, you want to say, oh, he wants them to be pretty and everything. But I mean, in, in this sort of world, is that is his version of pretty 50 years from now? You know, sheer dresses and, and skinny yeah. blondes? Unnecessary. If you're going to mechanize women and dehumanize them, which we are, why, the, the, the baby makers should be sort of put on the same level as the mother's milk producers for me. Yeah, just be sort of like um, factory factory yeah. slaves. If, if that's going to be your point, make that the point. Make them yeah. just mechanized women. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, to, this is, and I'm going to save a thought for later because I, the, well, I feel like this is a movie it's about that illustrates dehumanization in a lot of different ways. And that's, to, that's my kind of central reading on this movie as a statement. But I mean, so, but I, before I kind of expand on that, like what, what do you think the statement of this movie is making? What do you think it's saying? I mean, I'm, I'm all for the straightforward, just redemption plot line. These are people who've done bad things either through active malice. I'm sure, you know, even even if you want to, if you, even if you want to say this movie is not canonical to the Mad Max franchise and make it standalone, which you absolutely can. Yeah. He is redeeming himself either through inaction to letting people die yeah. Presumably he has a history of violence where he has caused the death of people, perhaps good people. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's looking to redeem himself and find something to do. Now, interestingly, he's not looking for community because he, right. he leaves it at the end. Yeah. Now that's like, you know, that's like, I guess part of what the journey is. He just wants yeah. to redeem himself in his own eyes. She is obviously looking to redeem herself and find yeah. purpose. She says that flat out and, you know, and, and, and the sex slaves are just looking for, you know, freedom and autonomy and a place to live. So yeah. redemption is my, is my through line, but I, I absolutely agree with you on that in terms of people are just reduced to their components. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you see that I guess the, like it's played out when Mad Max is kidnapped by the war boys. Like, so they grab him, they, they put that crazy, like almost like that mask over his head, you know, early on. And it's like, it, he doesn't have a face anymore. You know, like he becomes faceless. And then, like they put that that metal that metal clamp on his you know on his face like through most of the movie, and he loses his voice. And obviously, yep. he is uh, enslaved to them, and he's just a blood. He's a blood bag. He's a blood bag, right? High yeah. octane blood bag. Yeah. <laughs> Which is well, terrific, but it's sort of like your your spare parts, your spare parts on a machine. Like you are, he has no humanity left. Like they've taken it all away from him, and so he's nothing but you know the will. But he still has this will to survive, which is what he says in the beginning. And that's, but it's very individual. And like your thing about community is very true. Like there's some, like he does take steps towards connecting with community, but it's, it, he, you know, he can't go all the way with it. He can't commit to it. Yeah. He's not looking to be part of that, but he's, I think he, uh, I, again, this, the savior complex is, is well, it's, it's well-worn, um, yeah. but sure. He comes in, he helps save the day, but he, he facilitates you know, he doesn't kill Morton Joe. Um, uh, Furiosa kills Morton Joe. Yeah. And he barely even has a hand in it. He's just getting her on the, the truck and, and helping it happen. Yeah, but then he bounces. 
But Max has always bounced. That's always been his thing. If you want to keep true to the original character, if he sat down and became a farmer, you know, fans would be more pissed off. But going to sort of the, the using of things, something that just occurs to me is if, yeah. you, if you think of the three parties, and you're right, it's very much a, it's very much a at core, a simple story. You know, yeah. thief takes treasure, yeah. runs in pursuit. There are three main parties with two side parties coming after her to get him. Yeah. We think about the other three parties. One is the, the, the oil refinery, gas town. The other is the bullet oh, maker. Yeah. And then he's yeah. the farmer. The Citadel is the farmer. So yeah. he really is just farming people. Um, yeah. And watching oh, wow. with subtitles, which I will always do if I want to, you know, I'm getting old and also I want to understand things more. Yeah. The, the name of the, the doctor at the Citadel is actually called the organic mechanic, which I think is funny. Yeah. Miller has a knack for all these goofy nicknames, but yeah. a Morton Joe is a farmer. He's yeah. raising produce and he's just farming and milking women. He's yeah. planting his seed in women and yes. he's farming Max for his blood. So it yeah. kind of stays true to what he thinks everyone else is worth. If yeah. you're worth something, if I can get something out of you. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other guys, um, uh, the the bullet the bullet farmer they call yeah, it the bullet farmer very yeah. strange yeah and he has like a uh, is he the guy with no nose no no, no that's nose? that's people eater oh okay Pe- people eater uh, has the giant foot and no nose which is hilarious yeah. too but he gets mad at him he's like this is a family squabble yeah yeah which is so interesting and the um and I think that kind of the so I think part of the feminist kind of take on this movie is that there's like this great shot early in the movie when you, I think you first see a Morton Joe, I think they, you see his crotch first. Yeah. You see him from behind and then he puts on that, that uh, cod piece. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like this dying despot's dick that sets all these fucking events in motion. And like everything kind of comes out of his, his dick. Like, and it's, which is not part of it is like, he wants to reap, reproduce biologically he wants to build this world he wants to have his fucking power and control but also you know it's like lust and fucking i don't know and what do you think of that just first before i, yeah, get I wouldn't even it up. i wouldn't even put too much lust in there i would just say yeah. absolute megalomania to be the i am the only one um there's a whole obsession with healthy babies everyone's got birth defects or has come down with something he's somehow obsessed with getting that pure strain back is how i see it He's yeah. trying to be that farmer to get the best strain, and he is the best strain. Yeah. But I mean, you know, he's knocking these chicks up. Um, yeah. I didn't realize till recently watching it that the other blonde woman, the other blonde wife who is called the Dag, again, weird nicknames, yeah. she's pregnant. She's very early days pregnant when she escapes, but okay. she's pregnant. She says that at the very end. So he's got the tall one, the state's wife, Jason Statham's yeah. wife, who, who gets it, the, the one who dies. She's fully, what, six months pregnant. Yeah. But the other blonde is early pregnant. So he's, you know, if we're to believe it with that yeah. disgusting body of his, he's getting <laughs> shit done, yeah. um, you know, is, is the assumption. But yeah, I see it as megalomania. He's got yeah. the, the, the disabled little guy with the telescope is his son. Yes. And then the giant one, Rictus, is his other son. Yeah. So I, I don't know. He's just trying to get one right for something. Yeah, Rick, because Rictus, he's this giant guy, but he also is on like oxygen. So there's something, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some kind of a flaw, and he's stupid too, which is <laughs> totally he's dumb. He's yeah. he's like uh he's like the Yarp guy in a Hot Fuzz. Yeah, <laughs> Yarp. Why, why would he do that? Why would she do that, Dad? Why would Yarp. she do? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yarp. <laughs> oh man. When he ta- when he tastes the mother's milk in the beginning, he says oh, moo, yeah. 
It's fantastic. Yeah. He's dumb as a brick, but he's strong as an ox. It's it's so like minimal strokes, but it's, everybody's like so fully realized in it. <laughs> yeah. You kind of just it, get to, yeah. you know, or like the scene where he picks up the dead baby. He's like, I had a baby brother and he was perfect in every way. And you're like, he's, <laughs> yeah. you know, you're like, oh yeah, he's invested in this. He believes this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He, he did. He's got something going on. The Morton Joe's got some sort of, some sort of charisma working on there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the programming and conditioning, he's like a cult, cult leader, you know? Yeah. Oh, controlling with water, which is interesting. His, his, yes. his magic is water. So you figure gas town's magic is gas or yeah. crude oil or whatever they're pumping out of the ground. Um, yeah. Bullet farm would be what? Lead? Yeah. Um, iron ore. I don't know what his magic is. Making yeah. gunpowder out of something. But yeah. Morton Joe's has got the water. And, you know, he's king of the world because he's got fresh water. Yeah, which is great. I mean, it's because it's the most elemental thing you need for survival. And he controls it. And, uh, yeah, you mentioned the, um, the, the, the lactating women. I think, like, right after that, it cuts to, like, him running through. It looks like a hydroponic farm with just, like, leafy yeah. greens or something. And again, it's really quick. You're like, oh, yeah, this, that's how he gets food. Like, somehow he has some kind of hydroponic thing. And that's how, like, they're able to, the war boys, they probably have some kind of, like, uh, like I don't know, soy fucking, like, protein paste or something that they eat totally. every day. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I mean, that's what he trades. Because they were, Furioso was supposed to go on a produce run. Yeah. And so they, they were going to do their, you know, <laughs> weekly, monthly, quarterly trade with, for gas and bullets. So I mean, it sounds like the economy was working great until yeah. Furiosa <laughs> fucked it up. <laughs> Everything was going good, man. Why, yeah. why you gotta, why you gotta fuck this shit up, uh, Charlize? But yeah, it, was, it also shows what a delicate balance it was on. Was, <laughs> yeah. You know, it was working, but if one person, you know, the one person you rely on anywhere in, and if one part of the supply chain gets fucked up, yeah, you know, you get one. And in, and in this case, it, it suffers. I mean, let's go into sort of like the, the talking about this being more of a you know a, a feminist and, and girl power movie is it all falls apart based on a fragile male ego. Yeah, yeah. He's, totally. he's got to have these women. No one else can have them. He's got chastity belts on them. They're yeah. locked behind a bank vault. And yeah. when that happens, he's willing to risk it all. So yeah. it just, just shows him to be a sad, you know, pathetic old man. Yeah. holding on to you know whatever his glory days were and I, I think that's a fairly good statement too it's like he's yeah. just an asshole and he lost everything yeah yeah absolutely i mean uh and you can kind of uh, plug in almost any um rich and powerful uh old man in the real world into that position for an analog be like you know that's vladimir putin you know or fucking donald trump or yep you know uh biden i guess i don't know old men with their legacies yep what's that Old men with their legacies, and it's all yeah. based around their based around their old dicks. Yeah, exactly. But it's um, oh yeah. So I think it's interesting to note that uh, the redheaded girl uh, is Elvis Presley's granddaughter. Yeah, right. And Keo, Keo, Keo. How do you yeah. pronounce it? Keo. Yeah. Yep. I yeah, I don't know how to pronounce her last. She's a good actress, though. I like when she shows up and stuff. I like her. I'm, I'm a fan. And Zoe Kravitz in an early yeah. role is yeah. she's you know she could do no wrong. I think she's fantastic. Yeah, and the uh, the I forget the woman, the blonde woman who's so beautiful. I, the state that's Statham's wife. Is that right? Yeah, not not to reduce her to the state's wife, but she is. I forget her name. Um, she's she's a model. Yeah, um, Huntington yeah. or something like that. Yeah, I think she might be in like a Transformers movie or something. And that I rings like, a bell. Yeah. And do uh, you watch? Do you watch uh, Yellow Jackets on Showtime? 
I've I've watched like a, I've seen a couple episodes. I haven't watched yeah. the whole thing. Uh, the, the brun- the, yeah, no, the brunette wife is the crazy psychic one in Yellow Jackets, which I didn't know until I did some IMDbing for this. It was her oh, first wow. role. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like it's so well casted. Like every, yeah. you know, it's not just like some because they're all memorable, and you know, and, and it's oh, also the um the main war boy uh, who's that Nicholas Nicholas Hoot. Yeah, Nicholas Hoot. Oh, he's Holt, great. Holt, I mean, yeah, that, I think that's his, that's his best role to me, like his career defining role. But now it's sort of like anytime I see him in anything else, it's like, oh yeah, this is a great actor. Like everybody's like, not. I, 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 I'm falling into the trap of like when I talk. I was worried about this. I would just start riffing, just gushing on this movie. That's good to me of talking about this movie. It's like that is, it's, a, it's, it's a it's a wonderful rabbit hole. I yeah. think I, to to build on your point, I think this might be the movie, at least for me. That stopped me saying, "Oh, that's the little fat kid from uh, what was that Hugh Grant movie, um, Romantic Comedy?" <laughs> oh, is that the Tom Hardy? No, 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 and Nicholas Holt. He was the. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. That. Um, oh crap! Now I've got IMDb, and this could be the worst radio in the world. <laughs> um, well, like Tenet, the, what's uh, the, oh, the Nick know. Hornby book that he's in? Oh shit! Um, yeah, about a boy. About a boy. He's the fat kid from About a Boy. Really? Oh, I had no yep. idea. Yep, maybe we could edit that so we don't sound so stupid. No, no, I'm <laughs> All right. yeah, yeah. Um, for because he, you know, he came and started doing movies, and then I mean, for a decade, everyone was like, "Oh, it's the fat kid from Bad Boy." I think now he's well established as, "Oh, he's that hot dude that has, uh, you know, who's in the Great and who's in Mad Max." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the um, well, you're, I feel like though. So you're saying like that they he fits in the Mad Max that we see in Fury Road fits into like the continuity of the movie. This is not a series that's really that concerned about continuity. It seems right. Like, never has been. I don't think. Yeah. It never has been like the, the guy uh, who's a tall lanky actor who he plays like a, he, he has Bruce like Spence. A, yeah. Yeah. Bruce Spence. So he plays, he seems to be two different characters in two different movies. Right. Which doesn't make any, a whole lot of sense to be honest. No, I, no, no. I feel like looking, yeah, if you're looking for like this to be like a Marvel movie where it all kind of coalesces into some big fucking overwhelming story, it it won't work like that. But I, I think also at the, at the time it was confusing as a fan because it was definitely the gyro captain. I remember watching the third movie being like, is it supposed to be him? Why doesn't he yeah. know who he is? And clearly it's not. So it's a very weird choice. I agree. But I guess he likes his actors. I mean, you know, Morton Joe is Toe yeah. Cutter from Mad Max. So yeah, same idea. Exactly. But at least and we he, know Toe Cutter died. Yeah, so unless he he really has a great farm. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah, like you can resurrect people from the dead, then it's different a different character. But yeah, so it's... But it seems to be like more about like myth-making and sort of like telling... Going kind of above this, uh, you know, we're going to do some stories with some sequels and it's going to be serialized and it seems to be like trying to get to a bigger... Uh, more elemental storytelling, a bigger truth. You know what I mean? Yeah, I absolutely agree. And that's that old Joseph Campbell stuff. He's he's doing the, the hero's journey. Um, I think he, uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I would say that the first two, Mad Max 1 and 2, are fairly continuous, contiguous. They make sense enough. Third yeah. one, who the fuck knows? Um, yeah. it, it's not out. It doesn't violate too much unless you do some math. And yeah. I don't feel like doing math on this. But this clearly, <laughs> clearly, you know, if he had gotten this movie done in 2005 and cast an old Max and old Mel Gibson, it would have been one of 
entirely different movie, and it could have arguably been continuous. I yeah. absolutely think he's just doing what a lot of these guys do. It's a comic book movie without being a comic book movie. You yeah, know, it's, yeah, it's yeah. just taking from certain source material and redoing it. But again, man, I, I give Miller crazy props for just playing the fan service just right. Like, we're going to yeah. acknowledge these things happened. We could go back and do a prequel. We could do a sequel. But it is sort of like that starting up of the third trilogy, if, yeah. if it were to be a trilogy in my mind. It's, it's definitely a reboot, a revisit. And it doesn't bother me. I know some fans were pissed off that there's no continuity, but I, I just think it's a great, a great movie that sort of takes the themes of one and two and makes a better third. Yeah, I agree. I like that there's no continuity. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of liberating. Cause then you're not like, cause I get a, you know, I get stupidly obsessive about this kind of stuff and I'll be like, oh no, wait, because of that in the second movie, that doesn't make sense in the first one. So just, right. it, it takes a lot of uh, anxiety away from yeah, yeah, it takes that 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 like you know we yeah, continuity train spotting out of your head, which which yeah. you should just and it's said admire like oh he had a daughter he has a son here who cares anyway I get what I get what's going on here and yeah. I I mean I've never I obviously haven't seen the movie without seeing the first one I've been trying to drag my wife to, to watch this one <laughs> one of these days but I would wonder you know coming in cold what people would think of the character if they didn't know anything about the first ones you know yeah. just based on the flashbacks just based on what's being whispered in his head. You get enough of where he's been to, to like the character, you know? Yeah. Is he, I think he's a likable character, but now my, my question for you, Jeremy Renner was one of the first actors considered for this. What kind of movie would that be? If it were, you know, blabbermouth, you know, little man, Jeremy Renner. Oh, what, fuck what, that. what do you think of that? Oh, fuck that. I didn't know that. Yeah. I did not know that. Oh man. Yeah. Um, that would have been shitty. That would have been kind of. Sh- I mean, it would be good to still have all, all the stuff around him, but it's like, no, you don't need that guy. You don't need that kind of fucking like. You definitely don't need like quips. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I think you need too much of a chatterbox. I, I, I've always thought that. Uh, I, I love Tom Hardy. I, you know, his, his quietude is his is one of his best traits. You know, yeah. and I mean, think you know, think about Bane wearing a mask. Now he's wearing a mask. You know, he, he's not afraid to sort of shut the fuck up. Um, yeah, and I think he's got the, the 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 skills and the talent to do that. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. I think that he was picking movies, judging by whether or not he would have shit on his face. Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't take the dread roll away from what's his face and just go on <laughs> full full mask. <laughs> That'd have been a good role for him. Except, for, yeah, then he also likes to do a funny voice. Like, I don't know if <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if you saw the Venom movie. I saw the first Venom movie, which I was surprised by how much I liked it. But he's doing kind of like a weird, um, like like somebody who was who just had a stroke, but he's trying to imitate Marlon Brando. <laughs> that's that's a pretty good analysis. I have yeah. seen sadly both of those movies. Yeah, yeah. I think they're interesting. They're not like you know, they're not Mad Max Fury Road, but they're like <laughs> right. he makes he makes them good for me. But so I think, like, how does he compare to Mel Gibson as Mad Max? I think Matt Gibson in the first one is as good in its own way as, as Tom Hardy in, in this one. Um, yeah. You know, Mel Gibson in the second one gets to be very Mel Gibson-y. It's around the lethal weapon time. It's mid eighties. He's getting a little, you know, a little performative and he's got that fucking hair. And yeah. So the third, third one is just no need. But, I mean, listen, Mel Gibson had that awesome. He had that quiet broody, you know, I don't want to do this shit, but I'll do this shit kind of look. Yeah. which I kind of feel like is the core of this character is like, 
I just want to do my own fucking thing. You know, in the first one, it's like, I just want to raise my kids and do my job. Then it's like, okay, I just want to kill the people who killed my kid. Yeah. I just, you know, and I got to do it. I don't want to do it. Yeah. And this one's like, oh, I just got to get my car back and uh, fine, yeah. I'll help these people. They're just yeah. the through line for the character. But yeah. I mean, I, I, I want to talk about, because if anyone else is listening to this about who's a fan is just how, how dirty they did the car. Just it's, I mean, as a fan of the early movie, seeing, yeah. seeing the interceptor come in the first scene, and then get tumbled. Yeah. Like, oh, fuck. Okay. But then they <laughs> revive it, but then they crush the damn thing. It's just, yeah. just a heartbreaker to see that car get killed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That didn't bother me. I think um, that didn't bother me, but I get it. The car is sort of like the least important. It's a really cool car, but it's sort of the least important element of all the elements. I guess they still kept the kinetic action with, yeah. with the, with the vehicles. Like there's in, in road warriors, the scene where um, who's the main, the main punk bad guy, like res or something. Uh, um, 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 uh, humongous is no, oh, no, no, the, the, the spiky hair guy. Yeah. It's something like that. He's got a like short Rez or Rez. Rez yeah, or yeah. Something like that. There's yeah. like a scene where he like, like you can see that this thing is in motion and obviously there's like special effects and like, you know, they shot it for a certain, you know, to first, but you see this guy like run on a moving, like, r- like jump from one moving vehicle to another. Yeah. He's, he's jumping on that fucking truck. Yeah. And it's a continuous shot. And no matter how much like special, like, like Hollywood trickery or filmmaking trickery is going on, it's still an incredible fucking physical feat to have in a movie. And that kinetic action is still in Fury Road. But I'm wondering if you feel if it's all compromised by the CGI use, by, by, the, by the modern special effects that's employed throughout. I don't think they, I, 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 I've seen some of the side-by-sides. From what I've seen, the CGI was just more to, to sort of, juice up colors yeah. and there was a big he had a big um quote at the time saying we erased all the tire tracks because as a kid he hated watching an action scene where there's already tire tracks ahead of the truck because oh, that yeah. told him like revealed behind the curtain that oh this is like their fifth take of doing this yeah so I, he said that he erased all the tire trucks if they were doing a second take kind of stuff and i've seen the side by sides most i mean those people were flying around on those fucking poles those yeah. you know those cars were flipping over and I think it shows, especially big screening and headphones. I, I whatever CGI was there has doesn't. It's a two-headed lizard. That's the the most egregious CGI I see in the beginning of the movie, because I just feel that they are they are flipping those fucking cars over and over, and people are jumping into the sand. Yeah. I, I want to go with it. Whatever they juiced it up with, um, you know, I, I will forgive it. It doesn't take anything away from me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what was um? So yeah, so like. The real world impact of this movie, I could, despite being great, I think it's like embraced and celebrated by a lot of people. That the real world impact of this movie is kind of minimal, which was yeah. surprising. Like it was not a huge hit. Like the week it came out, I think Pitch Perfect Two uh, was <laughs> beat it in the box office, which is crazy. I don't mind the Pitch Perfect movies, but it's like that though that the second one, you know, that beat it. And the second one, no less. The yeah. sequel, no less. <laughs> and so, I mean, and then we were talking about, like, you brought up, like, the it was clearly the best movie of the year. The, the best movie, like, in terms of movie making, but the movie that actually was you, you pointed out the movie that won the <laughs> fucking Oscar that year. Fucking Spotlight. 
Good God. And listen, we're journalists. Yeah. God, God bless a good journalism movie. But Lord, Lordy Lord, that was not, on its own terms, it wasn't even a great movie. No. Not to mention Oscar worthy. Yeah, it, it went up against some pretty shitty movies. <laughs> Didn't yeah. manage to win. <laughs> yeah. No, it's crazy. Uh, that, yeah, it's a love letter to journalism, but it's like, as a, yeah, like you said, as a journalist, I'm like, I'm going to turn down this love letter. Yeah. I did not I, want this one. Yeah. I agree. It, it, I, I did the same stats. Um, it was 20, num- number 21 for the year in box office, made $150 million, cost yeah. $150 million, but it, it went on to be you know, profitably globally. Uh, by the way, Chris Rock hosted the Oscars that year and cracked that first Jada joke at that Oscars. Really? <laughs> yeah, so uh, here we go. Nice little timeliness. Yeah, yeah. It, it was up against Spotlight, The Big Short, which was fine, but not a best movie. Revenant, fine. Room, fine. Bridge of Spies, bleh. Brooklyn, yeah. bleh. The Martian, <laughs> blah. Um, so, and, and Spotlight takes it. So I, I, was, I was rooting for it. But on the other side, it got sort of uh, most everything else it went out for that weren't the prestige categories, which, which happens, yeah. you know, George Miller was never getting best director for this movie, but they got costumes and sound editing and mixing and all that stuff, which, which clearly it, it should have gotten. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, it got its due, but like a grudging, you know, I guess the, the Oscars can't possibly vote for a, a violent post-apocalyptic <laughs> car chase movie. Yeah, I guess not. Um, except, you know, maybe if it, Maybe if Meryl Streep starred, they could do that. <laughs> yeah, it was. I'm trying to think of any condition that could make that happen. I don't know. Someone had to have a. Let's see. Yeah, there had to be a different sort of redemption arc at the end. He had to save save some babies. I guess something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, because it's also because the way it uses special effects is masterful. Like he really Miller, he really took to that like uh the tool the new tools that are available to him and just really made something remarkable but i feel like no i don't know if anybody's done that since in the same way like this those same tools have been out there you know and you could still like do everything he did in an action movie and still have that kinetic mastery but you know it doesn't do you do you feel like there's been any any influence from that movie. No, I, I agree. And I get exactly what you're saying. I think, again, maybe if it had come out 10 years earlier before, it's not before technically, but sort of at the early stages of the Marvel, you know, whatever you want to call it, um, yeah. onslaught, tsunami, the Marvel yeah. domination of the box office. Because I, I feel like, you know, if you're a Marvel, if you're up for a Marvel movie, you know, you're, you know, some director who's had his shot and hasn't has done a couple good movies. You know how they, they pick uh, yeah. the best indie director gets their shot to do the Eternals. Yeah. But if you go in there and you pitch, you're like, okay, listen, this is great. But inspired by Fury Road, I want to I want to shoot this with real effects. And I, want, I actually want to put a hovercraft in the air and blow it out of the sky. They're all just going to be like, fucking why? We yeah. don't need to. Because look, every special effect in all the Marvel movies, it, it's all CGI. We didn't blow up Vancouver or Chicago. We don't need yeah. to. We've got the renderings. We've got the computer power and the box office likes it the audience doesn't need it and I, I do think that's sort of the crime of it that he showed that what could be done so much better with real effects everyone's like i don't give a fuck i want aliens on hoverboards blowing up buildings and you're not yeah. going to do that with practical effects so I, I do think it'll stand as a it'll stand the test of time yeah and i think as you know our screens get higher resolution and we're looking at you know 20 million pixels mad max will hold up and yeah. And, and meanwhile, you know, the Spider-Man movies will look like 
the Ray Hyerhausen movies, whatever <laughs> I forget his last name. You know, you look at it and be like, that looks like shit. Yeah, Already yeah, those yeah. movies look like shit. You know, yeah. a, a Marvel movie from 2005 looks like shit on your screen yeah. already. Mad Max still looks good. Um, yeah. Because what, where I notice it again is sort of the colorization, the hyper, the hyper colorization looks a little weird. It breaks down on my screen. Yeah. But that's fine because I know those people are driving that fucking car through Namibia. Yeah. <laughs> did you, um, did, oh, did you, did you watch the black and white version? You know, I did. I watched it for 30 minutes last night because I hadn't and yeah. I stopped. It's beautiful. It's interesting. Yeah. But after they got out of the, the big sandstorm in the first of the four acts, I switched yeah. back because I wanted to see the colors. Yeah, it, it was yeah. Very interesting, but it, it just wasn't. It just wasn't actually rewarding. If you want to watch the parasite black and white, that's there's something to be said for that black and white rendering. I don't know if there's much to be said for the black and chrome version of, of Fury Road. Yeah, yeah, because it's because uh, yeah, you have that big color switch. Yeah, like in, yeah, like in the I forget what does it go from like everything everything was orange and now all of a sudden it's like what everything is. Oh, everything is blue. Right. Like orange to blue. Yeah. You're like, oh, holy fuck. Yeah. yeah the color palette means something in that movie. Um, you know, in each of the four acts, it has its own colors. So, yeah, I, I did the first act in black and white and then just switched over to the good old, uh, you know, insane hyper color version of my face. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, okay. So, what you were saying about the flaws of the movie, was that sort of just, were you talking just, is that limited to like the sort of objectification? Sorry to stumble over that. Is that limited to the objectification of the of the sex slave ladies, or is there more more to it than that? Generally, that's a, I'd probably say my only real problem. And again, because it was so avoidable and unnecessary, the other flaw I have, and I'll say just one word: Volvolini. The Volvolini. That's the tribe of women from where Furiosa <laughs> came, and that's yeah. the old ladies that they get on the the older women on the motorcycles. Who are yeah. badass, who are yeah. warriors, who are awesome, yeah. but I don't know why they would have chosen to call themselves the Volvolini, presumably in this backstory 30 years ago. Oh, yeah. That, that's just one of those weird fucking Miller things. But do they, gives, they don't say that if you're not watching in subtitle. Would you know that? No, she does. She walks up and says, oh, really? I am a, I am Volvolini. I am daughter of so-and-so, you know, oh, goddaughter of so-and-so. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just a subtitle thing. It is. Oh, right. It okay. is spoken as I am Volvolini. I think it's just horrible. I think my brain refused to process that because I never caught that at all. Yeah, yeah. It's a. They're terrific. They're terrific. Yeah, but, but aside from that, yeah, they're terrific. I love. Oh, it. they're badass. They're fantastic. It's it's great. It's a great tragedy. It's yeah. It's a great. You know, again, to go back to this, you know, the hero's journey. This is the hero at her darkest moment. Yeah. You know, the the homeland isn't there. What do I do now? Yeah. And again, Max, not to be the, the hero, but is the one who's like, well, why don't we go back and kick that guy's ass? And she's yeah. like, all right, let's go back and kick that guy's ass. And she does. So he's very yeah. much a catalyzing element throughout this movie. You know, he's, he's fertilizer. He's a catalyzer, which, which I like. Um, yeah. There is a Furiosa prequel being produced. Yeah. I don't know if you're aware that. of that. And that will <laughs> maybe shed light on where they came up with Volvolini. Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, I should have got I don't know, another another way to express. I know what you're doing, George. I know yeah. you're trying to get to like this I, essential like ladiness, but womanness, no, yeah, yeah. You got to get to another path. But yeah, like the little details, like their 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 motorcycles have like embroidery on them and stuff like that. <laughs> oh, it's so good. And, yeah. and then if, if you try to break down 
when they first come across the 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 first Volvolini, she's up in like a like a you know like a, a tower. She's up in a tower, naked, yeah. and they're like, "Oh, that's a trap!" Like, well, no shit, that's a trap. But what is is that woman just sitting there in the blaring 180 degrees outback sun yeah. every day, just on the off chance somebody's going to come by and get trapped? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Just no, they probably put her up there. <laughs> yeah, bro, sure. So yeah, you don't want to you don't want to get cancer. I mean, everyone's yeah, worried yeah, about yeah. skin cancer here. <laughs> Look at nuts. He's got some. He's got some boils. But I mean, you yeah. know, it would have been a little more badass to put her under, you know, a ghillie suit with a sniper yeah. rifle. You know, <laughs> it, it, you didn't have to do that. And again, that's just yeah. a, it's, it's a boner of a choice for me. Yeah, I mean, it works. I mean, it works for me, like in the terms of emotional truth. You know, it doesn't on a on a if you think if you interrogate the reality of it, right? If you interrogate the reality of it. Yeah, you're right. It falls apart. But sort of like you know. You have a you have a trap baited with a person, like right? And she's using her feminineness to to pull in presumably who are going to be horny asshole guys and pop yeah. up we're going to kill you. Yeah, you have yeah. the appearance of vulnerability, but really it's uh, there is something that'll get there. Let's call it vulva ability. Okay, oh, no, it's not. But then the vulva ability would be the power, I guess. <laughs> They're full of vulvalininess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, any other word would have worked. I, I would have taken Amazon over that and not gotten mad. <laughs> any, anything, anything over that. Yeah, yeah. So doing the, uh, how do you feel about the prequel the, that they're working on allegedly? I'm, 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 I'm all for it. Um, I, I'm happy that we don't have to see Max. That's great. I, I, it looks like on IMDb there is another Max movie, very tentatively set. So maybe they're doing a sequel there. But the prequel is um, the girl from the Queen's Gambit. Anya yeah. Taylor Joy, I think her name is. Oh yeah, yeah, she's good. Yeah, she's good. And you know, I, I, what I'm expecting, I, I'm sure you've seen Hot Tub Time Machine. Yeah. And the running joke of when Crispin Glover is going to lose her, lose his arm in the <laughs> past. That's what I want to see in this movie. I just yeah. want to know when Furiosa is going to lose that fucking upper arm or yeah, that like forward really arm. Scene of her like chopping vegetables. Yeah. Like, oh God, is, yeah. is it coming? <laughs> no, not yet. Yeah. Somebody comes by. Well, oh God, not yet. Yep, yep. And at the very end, you know, it's, oh, it's gangrene. It's gangrene or something stupid like that. She's good. I actually just read. Uh, I read that book for the first time, The Queen's Gambit. Oh yeah, any good? Yeah, it's really good. It's the guy that wrote um, Cool Hand Luke. No, not Cool Hand Luke. Uh, no, the 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 other the the pool movie, fucking Color Paul Money. Uh, yeah, Robert Redford, oh, Paul Newman, Paul Newman. The other Paul Newman movie, cool, not Cool Hand Luke, The Hustler. He wrote The Hustler. That's yes, it's a great movie. Great movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm. I'm a, and, uh, you know, I, I, she's gonna have to be badass, and I yeah. think any any woman, any female actor is capable of being a badass. So I yeah. look forward to seeing her. You know, stripped down and and becoming Furiosa. Yeah, and it's, I'm I'm just yeah I agree with you. I'm glad there's more movies that are going to be in the Mad Max world, that kind of palette. Because uh, George Miller's an interesting filmmaker because he made like the Mad Max movies and he made like the Babe Pig in the City movies. <laughs> yeah. and I don't know what else he's done really. Like I, I don't Happy know Feet. What, what's that? Happy Feet. He did a he did animated did... movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did Happy Feet. Really? The, the funny thing is, Happy Feet 1 and Happy Feet 2 were so successful, it gave him the Hollywood juice again to make Mad Max. Oh, if that's, that's not funny enough. He did The Witches of Eastwick. He did Lorenzo's Oil. Um, babe really? 1, Babe 2, obviously. Yeah, yeah. He, he did his, he did his, you know, 80s, 90s dramas. Yeah. Doing, you know, doing his journeyman work. Yeah. And then Happy Feet put him back on the, uh, gave him his juice again. 
from, from what I read. I'm, I'm not an insider or anything, but that was the timeline that got him back in. And I'm, I'm thrilled. I, I hope he, you know, I hope he does a Ridley Scott and comes back to some of his yeah. best properties and spends his last, you know, his third or fourth, fourth act yeah. revisiting these. I don't, I don't need happy feet three. I'd rather see, right. you know, Mad Max five. Yeah, I agree. Like what, uh, about 10 or 15 years ago when I was at my most sort of bug eyed, uh, internet film geek status, I was following him along as he was supposed to be making, um, a justice league movie. Really? You know that? No, that would have been better. Yeah. But it was like, it was going to be all, um, anim- computer animation, a computer <laughs> animation justice league movie. And he was somehow, I, I know he had, had a script and had started production on it when the whole thing fell apart for whatever reasons, but like, um, and then he, then I think he was going to pivot to the Mad Max movies. And the other, it took him like a decade to make Fury Road. Yeah. In part, and this stuck with me, like there, there was like record rainfall in the Australian outback. <laughs> right, right. So I read too that too. Flowers in the desert to do a Mad <laughs> Max movie. I couldn't, that, that's like, if, you, if there was ever going to be a cursed production, like that would be it. You know? That's kind of curse. Goddamn flowers! I know. Yeah. yeah. Get out of my shot, fucking marigold. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah so, so what do you, what do you think? I have a question for you. What do you yeah. in terms of your top roles? If, if I have some top of my head because yeah. it's a, I thought about this. Main characters, protagonists who kind of don't talk much. I, I didn't do a word count, but I got to imagine Tom Hardy has thirty lines, forty lines, tops. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely him. Uh, uh, there's that's a really I, does Clint Eastwood can't talk too much, right? Well, at this point, yeah, him and Bruce Willis would probably not yeah. try to but talk. I mean, in very like, much. In like the man, like um, paint, <laughs> yeah. the, paint the town red or whatever. The, what's the name? No, of? it's the singing one, I think. Oh no, you're oh, right. it's paint your wagon. <laughs> the paint your wagon. It, he definitely uh, talks in that. What's the one where he's like he has the the he got hanged? Hang on, yeah, yeah, yeah. One, yeah, whatever, yeah. Yeah, he knows yeah. he doesn't talk too much. Yeah. So you know, but that goes that goes to your point. This is very much in that in that way. It's a cowboy movie in that he comes yeah. in, doesn't have to say much. Man of action, shut the fuck up, do your job. Yeah, yeah. Or um, fucking uh, what's the Kurosawa movie that that's based on the, the Seven Samurai? No, no, no. Uh, oh, oh, uh, um, um. Yeah, yeah, uh, that one where everyone does the different telling you the Rashomon. same story. Rashomon, right? No, there's one um, Yojimbo, Mighty Yojimbo, or something. Like yeah, that. yeah, right. Yep. Yeah, and that's the one. That's the one that got ripped off and turned into like Clint Eastwood movies. That was it, right? Yeah, because that's like the Man with No Name, the the rough draft of the Man with No Name, where uh, Tashira Mufuni is just like, I think he doesn't say a lot of stuff. I think he spends a lot of time like reaching into his robe and scratching himself. I think that's most of what he does. <laughs> well, that's, that's expressive in its own way. But, yeah. I, you know, I like, I like that tradition, especially these days. Um, I, I think also that goes to the problem that this movie might have had with its box office in 2015 in that it might have been hard to get 12 and 13-year-olds out to really get behind this movie. Yeah. Full of action, but no one-liners from Robert Downey Jr., yeah, you know, you know, cover pitter patter between characters. It was the opposite of that, and that's probably yeah. why it it suffered. It didn't do badly at the box office. It made its money. He's going to make yeah. more, but it, it didn't make a billion dollars like Spider Man because there's no wisecracking. 
Right. Um, you know, there's no gifable moments for that generation. Yeah. Um, not only and, is there not any wisecracking, there's also no like, um, uh, uh, there's nothing that it, it, it presents this reality in a non-ironic way. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing about it where they're like, oh, you're a, oh, what are you, some kind of Spider-Man? You know, like some kind of thing that yeah. makes it easy. Nothing knowing. Yeah. yeah. That winking, that winking shit, you know, which right. I think is now like, that's the Marvel effect. And now yeah. like a lot, yeah. And there's nothing about that at all in, in Fury Road. Like it's, here's our story. We're telling it straight. You know, and if I had to put an opposite, I'm, I'm not a Marvel uh, aficionado. I've seen a bunch, not all, definitely not a completionist, but I, for some godforsaken reason, watch the Eternals. And that right. is the exact example of what you're talking about. Yeah. Every, nobody can shut the fuck up for five minutes. And yeah. Everything somebody has to say has to be a wisecrack, has to be self-aware, has to yeah. poke fun. And it, it just makes my brain melt. But I don't think those movies are made for me anymore. And no. this movie is completely the opposite. It's like, just sit back. Watch what we're gonna do with the cameras. Watch this shit get blown up, yeah. and you know it's an action movie, a smart action movie. I'd like to think, but you yeah, know, I'm just trying to justify my own my own fandom of this movie. Yeah, and I think it's not too hard to justify. It isn't like you're talking about like um, I don't know, something really terrible. I think that this has. I think there's some clear value to this movie. I think it has a statement. I think it's really well done. You know. Yeah, and and Lisa, I, I think the through line has always worked. Um, Max has never, never been, as far as I could think of, misogynistic or dismissive. You know, yeah. it's an awful lot of white people, but yeah. it's also not even the third one. It, it, it is what it is in terms of George Miller being a 65-year-old dude producing, especially the first one in Australia in 1979 for, you know, uh, for 500 bucks, whatever he, whatever he spent on it. Um, I, you know, there's no obvious color issues and race issues in terms of obvious discrepancies like these people yeah. are this or those people are that which is good the bad guys are whatever they are yeah. um and he's is he always saving the girl yes yeah do women need saving no um yeah. but is that a classic archetype yes um so I, I in terms of its sins i think it balances out to be fine yeah. he's definitely the savior and then he just takes off so i so yeah. I, I agree with you I'm, I'm more inclined to see it as the cowboy movie than the white savior swooping in to save everybody's ass yeah yeah. especially yeah. in this one like I said he's a catalyzing agent and he's a supporting role i mean she's yeah. the star of this movie not him yeah yeah it is interesting because it, yeah it's sort of like a, a sneaky furiosa movie yeah more than it is like a mad max movie for sure all right so uh one last thought which is my idea for a prequel i want to see a whole movie about the three uh attorneys that show up in the first in the first mad max I just show up with like that quick little comedy scene. I want a whole movie of those guys <laughs> at the police station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they're, when they're, when they're springing the guy from Goose, uh, yeah. springing, springing the guy that Goose caught. That's a good one. I can totally get down with that. Yeah. I want to see the movie that connects the fan theory, which is which is proven you know, not to be true. But yeah. uh, Max's boss, the big bald-headed giant uh, sergeant in the first one. Oh yeah, yeah. To be to becoming Lord Humongous in the Road Warrior. Oh yeah, that would be good. That's always one of those. Is that him? Like that would be hilarious. I want to see him, whatever his name is. The guy, his name, his name is like Peppy or something. See him turning into Lord Humongous. I want to see that side story as a as a prequel movie. Uh, what happened to that guy that turned him into Lord Humongous? All right. Well, on that note, uh, I'm gonna thank man. This is great. Thank you so much for being on the show. 
It's been a pleasure. Always happy to talk about this and uh, any other sort of movies we both have in common. Excellent, man. Thanks so much. Anytime. Bye. Take it easy. You too.